0: Okay, so I want to share with you guys this article that was in the Times yesterday. And it says, A Rock to Build On. And in this article, it shares, uh, it talks about the camp that we just did this past week at the Lincoln Center. And we had the opportunity to share Christ with 135 kids from all over the area. And it was just an amazing time. But in this article, and I love this, it, it says the verse for the camp is Isaiah 26, 4. And it says, Trust in the Lord, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. And so it has this verse in the sports section of the Hammond Times. And the Times is, in my my limited opinion, a bit of a, a liberal newspaper. But here we have the message of Jesus Christ and Bible verses in the sports section of the Times. And so I am so grateful for The opportunity to um, partner with Dan Vowdry and um, New Life and Suburban Bible to be able to participate and do this camp together. It's just such a blessing. And on there is our very own Matt Simodi holding a basketball. Okay, he picked up a basketball for about two seconds all of camp and held it up and got his picture in here. After this, he went and sat down in the corner and just did nothing. So, he just happened to be lucky enough to get his picture in the newspaper, doing something, not sitting there. So if you want to turn with me to Galatians 3, we are in our Holy Spirit series. This is week number six, but if you remember, we've done weeks one through five on, in the beginning of the year, and this is actually, I'm sorry, this is week seven. This is week number seven, and we're finishing off the series this month. Trinity Galatians 3, when I think about my own life, and particularly my, my years in growing up in the church, if you made a movie about my life, the name of the movie would be, The Righteous Shall Live by Their Obedience. So I grew up in church, so my earliest memories as a child are at church meetings. And one in particular, I remember we were in this church. It had pews and I'm crawling on the ground. And I don't remember if I'm crawling because I haven't, I wasn't able to walk yet or if I was just a big kid acting like a little kid. But I'm crawling underneath the pews and there's legs in front of me and I'm moving the legs out of the way. It was like going through a jungle and my, making my way to the front of the church. And my mom's in the back saying, Johnny, Johnny, get back here, Johnny. Johnny, don't do that. And so, that's in my earliest memories. that growing up in church. And so growing up in church, I was fortunate to come to faith in Christ at a very early age. I came to know Jesus and put my faith in Christ and believe that he died for my sins. And so it, was, it, it blessed me in my life. But my understanding of the Christian life was one of duty mixed with a bit of karma. Okay, so I understood that you came to faith in Christ, that Jesus Christ delivered us from our sins, but our job was to walk in obedience because that is the way in which we please and honor God. And so by pleasing God, I believe that God would be pleased by our obedience and therefore bless our lives. And so if I did enough good things, if I read my Bible... If I was able to pray enough and give enough, then God would lavish me with his blessing and life would go well for me. But the, uh, the, the opposite was also true. Well, if I didn't obey God and didn't do the things God wanted me to, well, then God is going to get me. He's going he's gonna to strike me. He's going to get me. I'm going to get sick, get a flat tire. I mean, my house is going to go up in flames, whatever it may be. God was going to get me if I did not walk in obedience. And that was my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian growing up. In the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ really had very little significance. And here's why. It was was the thing that brought us to Christ and brought us into a relationship with God, but it didn't have any other relevance for the rest of your life, unless you wanted to tell someone about Jesus and then you'd share the gospel and they'd either accept it or reject it. But the gospel is just something that kind of got you in, and then you kind of lived the rest of your life walking in duty to obey God so God would be pleased with you. didn't have much significance for me. So my understanding then of his grace and mercy in my life was by works, by what I did. My understanding of following God was by the good works that I did. That was it. My good deeds, my actions, that was how I stayed in favor. Bad behavior would be punished and God would be displeased with you. So that was the way I, in which I grew up. When I look at this and I read the book of Galatians, Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote Galatians, would have taken me to the wall on this. He would have nailed me, he would not have let me go walk off easy when we look in the book of Galatians, we see the Galatian church getting chided by Paul, okay? When we read Ephesians, Paul is all blessing and thanksgiving and, and God, is, God is pleased and he's called you his own. I mean, just going on and on and on. And there's such a sense of this Paul, just the kindness of God coming through Paul to the, to the Ephesian church. But when we read Galatians, we get a little different story. He brings some strong warnings, some strong rebuke to them. Some things were askew in the church. And although they had received the gospel, they had turned to works in order to please God. And so there was a battle lines that were being drawn. One side, it was the gospel and the spirit of God. The other side, it was the law and flesh. So there's this tension between gospel and law or gospel and religion and the tension between the spirit and flesh or a sinful nature. And it's important because it gives us the understanding of how God operates in our lives and changes us for his glory. This is so important for us as a church. The things we're going to talk about today will bear much power in your life and much fruit in your life if we can just wrap our heads around what is Paul saying? What is the gospel? And by the grace of God, I believe God wants to impart to us as a church a message of hope and grace and fruitfulness in our lives that will change us forever. I've been chewing on this for about a month or about a couple months now, and it has transformed my understanding of sin, of righteousness, of obedience. It has transformed the way I think about these things. And I want for us as a church to have that same transformation in our thinking. I want for us to to know the riches of the grace of Jesus Christ made available to us. This is so important. We're going to read Galatians 3, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to pray. This is Paul speaking to the Galatians. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ... Was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Let's pray. Dear God, as we read your word, we ask that you would give us eyes and ears to hear and see the glories of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that you would help us to remove all distractions and hindrances. And God, I pray that we would find great comfort in your word to us today. God, let us be drawn near to Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would help me to speak clearly, give me the words to say, help me to honor you with my, with my preaching this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to make a distinction this morning between religion and the gospel, or the law and the gospel, okay? So we're going to we're going to make a distinction here. We're going to draw a line in the sand and say, this side is religion And this side is gospel. What I want for you this morning is to look at this and say, have I, where do I fall? Where is it? Where has my understanding of Christianity been? Is it an understanding of religion or is it an understanding of, of the gospel, of grace? And so religion would say this Religion is the understanding that God accepts me because of my efforts. That's religion. But the gospel says this, it's the understanding that God accepts me because of what Jesus has done. That's the difference. One is because of my efforts I'm accepted. The other one is the acceptance because of what Jesus Christ has done. We're at at the basketball camp on the third day. Pastor Lou Rodriguez from Suburban Bible gave, gave the gospel message. And he did it this way. He brought two people up and he, he brought two kids up, and he he took a towel. He said, one kid over here is Christ, and one kid is us. And he put, had this towel around the kid with us, and he says, look, our sin is wrapped around us. Our, we are covered in sin. But what, what God does on the cross is he takes the sin off of our shoulders and puts it upon Jesus Christ, his son. But not only does he do that, but he takes the righteousness and the obedience of Christ Jesus, and he takes that and puts it upon us. And so now Christ Jesus is judged and condemned and punished for our sins, and we receive the blessing of Christ's righteousness for us. And now when, Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Christ Jesus inside of us. He says, that is perfect obedience for me. And so that was the the demonstration that he gave. And so we're accepted, not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ Jesus has done. Because we get Christ Jesus' perfect obedience to the Father. Religion says this, I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. But the Gospel says this, I am accepted by God through what Christ has done. Therefore, I obey. Or another way to say it is this. We talked about this a month ago. Religion says, I obey. Therefore, I am loved. But the gospel says, I am loved. Therefore, I obey. Religion says, our motivation is that we try to obey the divine standards out of fear. Fear of retribution, displeasure, and rejection by God. But the gospel says, our motivation is one of gratitude and worship for the blessings we have already received because of Christ. Religion, in regards to identity and self-worth, when you are living up to your chosen religious standards, then we feel superior and we feel disdain towards those who are not following the true path, which just so happens to be the path that I'm on. We see this in politics all the time. Liberals feel superior to, the, to bigots and narrow-minded people. Conservatives feel superior to the less moral and less devout. But the gospel says this in regards to identity and self-worth. I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and a deep confidence at the exact same time. Humility is understanding that I'm totally and absolutely dependent upon someone else for my salvation. That's Christ Jesus. And confidence is knowing that the one who gave his life for me and loves me from before the very beginning of time has committed to never leaving me nor forsaking me. That's confidence. A pastor preached a sermon on the difference between religion and gospel. A lady in the church never heard this distinction before. She always heard that God accepts us only if we are good enough. This message was very scary to her, and this is why. She writes this, If I was saved by my good works, then there would be a limit to what God could ask of me or put me through. I would be like a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty, and now I would deserve a certain quality of life. But if I am a sinner, saved by sheer grace, then there's nothing he cannot ask of me. This is why the gospel is good news every day. I don't have to wake up in fear of God getting me back or paying me back for what I did yesterday or what I'm going to do today. I have the freedom to serve Him with joy, knowing that my sin has been covered, washed over, paid for. There's nothing that I can do that can put me outside of the grace of Jesus Christ in my life. So our motivation is not, do good or God will get me. Our motivation is, I am loved by God, so I respond with obedience we are tempted to believe that our relationship with God is based on what I do, based on my works. We are tempted to believe that every single day. That is a battle that all of us fight. We wake up every morning feeling like, well, yesterday wasn't a good day. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray enough. I should have pulled over and helped that guy on the side of the road. I should have given more at church. And so we feel like, oh, man, God is so displeased with me. He's unhappy with what I've done. We have to understand that that is our acceptance not based on what we've done. Our acceptance by God, our love from God towards us, is based on what Jesus Christ and His perfect obedience to the Father. And when He looks at us, He sees that obedience in us. That is the difference between the gospel and religion, or the gospel and law. The application of the gospel in our lives is now seen in the difference between the flesh and the spirit or our sin the flesh being our sin nature or the spirit. Let's look at Galatians 5. We're going to read Galatians 5:13 through 26. And this is what our lives this is the application of this truth in our lives. Galatians 5:13 reads this: For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Walking and living by the Spirit is the result of the gospel in our lives. Because of what Christ Jesus has accomplished on the cross, by taking our sin and taking our place, we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can glorify God with our lives. The difference is really a distinction between duty and a response of love. So last week I picked up some flowers for Michelle and Addie. I bring them home, and sooner or later, Michelle asks me, why did you get these for me? Now, my response could be, well, in the next week, you're probably going to get mad at me for something I've done. (laughs) And so when you get mad at me, look at the flowers. Give me a break. I've done something good for you. Can you just give me some, you know, off the hook or whatever? Or my response is, I was thinking about you and wanted to get you something beautiful because I love you. One response is duty, and the other response is response of love. Which one of these responses will be pleasing to Michelle? And when I buy her flowers, I don't do it to be accepted by Michelle. She's already ha- She already has a ring, got four kids. She already said yes. I do that because I love her it's a response of love. Paul's statements in Galatians 5 are radical. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Guys, these aren't a list of Christian virtues. These aren't things that we try to live our life up to. And therefore, when we begin to do these things, then God is pleased. These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and are evident because we belong to Jesus. We don't make the fruit. We don't make the fruit grow. The Holy Spirit does the work of producing the fruit in us. Jesus says in John 15, He says, I appoint you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. But it's the result of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you've ever served in any kind of capacity at church, with someone in any area that maybe when you are serving maybe you are this way or the person you're with was just complaining it's it's hot outside I don't feel like doing this. this is going on too long if you've ever helped anybody move in the church there's always one person in the pack who's like is not happy to help be helping this person move on that Saturday afternoon Just that's always the case but you've also served with someone and I've served with people who are just full of Jesus Christ, and when you are done serving, there is such a joy and such a, man, I could do that all day long. It's the difference between duty and a response of love. It's a difference between I'm doing this because it's what a good Christian should do on a Saturday afternoon. We should help people move all all, all year long. We should be helping people move. So that's what churches are for, right? Help If you need to move, you join a church so people can help you. You don't have to pay a mover. You get it for free. Or it's a response of love. Man, I love Jesus so much. I can actually help and serve someone for the glory of God. And the result of those two things are completely different, aren't they? We've all been in that place. And the the Galatian church had come to faith in Christ Jesus. But now we're trying to live by works of the law for their acceptance. Paul reminds that we come to Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by faith, and we continue on in our lives in the same faith, not by works of the law. Our acceptance by God is not because of what we do, it's because of Christ. And walking by faith in Christ means there will be fruit of the Spirit that is produced in us. We talked about walking by faith a couple of weeks ago, and we looked at Ephesians 6. I want to reiterate these points because these points in walking by faith are so important for us. We need to we need to get a get a hold of these things and begin to live them out. We said that walking by faith was three things. Number one, walking by faith is the conviction of heart that what God says is true. It's the conviction of heart that what God says is true. Number two, walking by faith is the anticipation of that what God promises He will do or fulfill. It's anticipation that what God promises He will do. And number three, walking by faith is the reliance on God's resources, not our own, to live this out. I remember, and I may have shared this before, but this is so clear in my mind. There was a Sunday afternoon when I came home from church and I was working at Living Word at the time and, we had I was at church all morning, and then we've got youth group all night. And so it was a really long day for me. So we get home from church about 12.30 or 1 o'clock, put the kids down, and then try to get a little rest between the two services so I can um, be ready for the second service. And I remember putting the kids down in the room and looking. The room was a mess and thinking to myself, man, that really stinks for Michelle because she's going to have to clean this room tomorrow. And it's really a big mess, and so it's really too bad. For her. I'm going to go get a, I'm going to go get a, get a nap, right? at that moment, the Holy Spirit brought conviction and said, "You clean the room. This is your responsibility. You clean. It's not Michelle's job. This is what we do. You clean the room. You serve your wife. You serve the family." And I remember the message talking about there's greater joy in laying your life down and. We can agree to that. We can say Amen. We can sing songs. Yes, Lord, I want to I'll go anywhere for you. I'll do anything, and I'll go on the farthest missions trips, and I'll do all these things for God. And then we get asked to clean a room, and we're like, "Oh, are you serious?" Now it's talking about like missions and stuff. I'm not talking about cleaning a room; that's someone else's job. But I remember just thinking about that, and at that moment, thinking, "Do I believe that there really is greater joy?" and laying my life down for my wife. Do I really believe that? Do I believe that, Lord? Do I believe your word? Do I anticipate God giving me the strength to do this job, to serve my family? Do I believe God is going to do that? Will I humbly confess my weakness and ask God for strength? The motivation for all of this is not just to have peace in the home. Well, if I just clean, Michelle will be happy and everything will go go well. But when the Holy Spirit is active in us and the life of Christ is alive in us and we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we say, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me. I don't feel like it. I don't necessarily feel this way right now. But I believe your word is true I believe that you can give me strength. I anticipate there is greater joy in laying my life down. I'm going to ask you for the grace to do what you've called me to do. Even though I don't feel like it at this moment. The Holy Spirit comes alive within us and the life of Christ is manifested in our lives. The Galatian church, they were believing that they would get more of God by what they did for God like I said, we are tempted to believe this all the time. We are always tempted to believe this. We are always tempted to believe that the things that I do will grant me blessing or curses according to God, and therefore I need to obey because I want to get some blessings in my life. My understanding of cleaning the upstairs could have been like this. This could have been my understanding. I should clean because it is what God would want me to do that's true. If I do clean, God will be pleased with me. And if God is pleased with me, he'll give me a blessed marriage. But believing that isn't necessarily walking in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm doing is I'm really, I I just want the goodies from God. I just want a better marriage. I want things to go well. But what he's saying is the Holy Spirit comes alive in our lives and we get more, we can see the life of God in us. And it's not done through what we do And this is the tension between the gospel and religion. The Holy Spirit working Christ's character out within us in our lives. Now we're going to look at the tension between the Spirit and the flesh, or Spirit and the sin nature. There's two keys to being changed by the Spirit, by the grace of God. There's things that, that God uses in our life to change us and mold us and give us the strength. Number one, Humility. Humility recognizes the real battle and how often we are guilty of being led by our sin nature. Paul describes this in in Romans 7, 15. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. You ever have that experience? You ever feel that way? You ever feel that tension? You know I shouldn't do this, but you do it anyways and say, I've done the very thing that I hate. I've done it over and over and over again. We make promises. I'll never do that again. And we end up doing it again. And so we do the very thing that we hate to do. This was Paul's experience in his life as well. There is a real battle being waged every single day. In our own human effort, we only end up living for our own selfish ambition and he says, the fruit of us living for ourselves in our own strength, he says, is evident. And he goes through and says, the acts of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensual, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. He said, I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's no place for these things in the kingdom of God. And really, men, for us, it takes humility to take ourselves out of the driver's seat, to submit ourselves to the word of God, to not do what I feel like doing. Well, it's my wife's job to go clean this. That's someone else's job to do this. But to say, God, if you are calling me to do this, my response is, is one, by your grace, to be obedient to follow you. So how do we see this in our lives? And I want to just give one simple point. It's submission to God and his word. Submission to God and his word. The Holy Spirit always leads us according to God's word. The spirit of God and the word of God always go hand in hand. They're never separated. What the word of God tells us to do is That is also what the Spirit of God tells us to do. What the Spirit of God tells us to do, it's exactly the same thing that the Word of God tells us to do. We need to be people who love and treasure God's Word. This is our bread. This is our food. How do we know what God wants from our lives? We find it in His Word. How do we know how we live for God, what the Gospel is, who Jesus Christ is? It's found in His Word. This becomes our life. This is everything to us. We cannot neglect the Word of God. It is so important, so vital for our lives. It is God's very words to us, His people. But number two, it's not only humility, but it's faith. Faith that God is superior to the pleasures of any sin. Faith says Christ is supreme and more glorious than anything the world has to offer. And this as well is a daily battle for us. Sin would present itself to us with promises of joy and pleasure and fulfillment outside of the will of God. And so what what comes to us is a promise of of fulfillment. says, look, you can have this now. I know God hasn't provided it for you, but God wants you to have this. He wants you to be happy with this. Won't won't this make you happy? And so sin promises something that God either does not want for us or has not provided for us yet. And so it always takes a shortcut. It never waits for the right timing in the Lord's timing. It always promises something it cannot fulfill. And you know what? It doesn't fulfill. The the promises of sin are, are short and they never is is never long-term pleasure in any of it. God gives us pleasures forevermore. When we sing about God being our portion in that song, that's what it means that God is our portion. God is enough. It's not God and other stuff, it's just God. God is enough. When we sing that song, we we need to sing with understanding. And say God, I really mean that. When I am presented with the promises of pleasure apart from you, I need to remember saying, no, 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 God, you are my portion. You are my everything. Faith also says I stand before God forgiven because of what Christ has done and not what I did yesterday or today. We talked about walking in faith. The same faith that unites us to Christ is the same faith that keeps our eyes on Christ and not on sinful cravings. This is so so vital for us. I want us to get a hold of this. This will transform our church. This will transform your life. When you're presented with something that says, do it this way. Look at this. Say this. Talk to this person in this manner. You know what? Our understanding of the pleasures of Jesus Christ need to be We need to understand that and see that as superior and greater than and better than anything sin has to offer. We're going to take communion now, but communion for us is the understanding. It's an invitation of of Jesus Christ that invites us back again and again and again. It is a reminder to us of the gospel. It is a reminder to us that Jesus Christ has made himself available to us And by his grace invites us over and over and over again. So I'm going to pray. Tim is going to lead us in communion. But I want us to consider, has my walk with God been one of duty? Has it been one of rules? Has my understanding of how God operates in my life through only what I do and not because of what Christ Jesus has done? And if it has, we need to repent and say, God, I'm not going to try to do it on my own. You've made a way available to me and I'm going to trust in your ways. So Lord, we just thank you this afternoon that you have made yourself available to us through the cross. And Jesus, we do not trust in our own ways. We do not try to come before you and say, look at what I've done. Look what I've said. Look what I've read. Look what I've prayed. And therefore, accept me. We come before you and say, Jesus, I trust in your work and your obedience. And therefore, I am accepted and forgiven, cleansed, purified, washed in you. So Lord, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your grace and your kindness to us. Help us to see You, Jesus, as majestic and holy and beautiful. Jesus.